Welcome back to class, everybody. I am your tuckered out from tailgating, but terribly comfortable, Professor Ricky. Just terribly comfortable. <laughs> now, I don't know what you are talking about. I am deep south, Ethan. Oh and uh, I must God. declare, Mr. <laughs> Beauregard, <laughs> you are my hero. I ain't no city slicking lawyer, but we do a little things down here differently in the South. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's a good Southern drawl. That's that's real milky. It's real, real cream. Real audio cream. I like that. It's felt as, as is your favorite word. It is probably, <laughs> it could be my top five words. Felt. Uh, Other favorite words? Tetramount. It is the thing next to Paramount in a list of things. Actually, that's like the be second. The third? No, it's actually Tetramount is the thing behind Paramount. It's like huh. the, the, the second most important thing when it comes to a Wouldn't particular penultimate. It, yes, Tetramount is synonym to penultimate. If we're gonna go chronologically, like but I can't read, so how would I know? <laughs> Looks like we're gonna need ourselves an extra person if we both can't read. We're gonna need ourselves an extra person in the lab today, and to help us talk about the show that we are gonna be bringing up a second season of, which arguably slapped harder than the first. We have one of our favorite reoccurring shojo specialists. Danny from Anime Summit. How are you doing, Danny? Hello. Hi. I am I'm not in the lab this time. It's a crying shame. But you know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes things get in the way and we have to use our technological prowess to bring That's the lab. Okay. To You're a you. distance learner yeah. today. Or I guess D we are. Yes, I uh, yeah, virtual learning right over here. Right. <laughs> We can, we and can I'm not on. and I'm not teaching uh, shojo this time or sports. No, she isn't. She's here to help us talk about a show that, despite what I still agree, is a formula that I think should not work as well as it does. By God, does it slap? It slaps super hard. And season two, I will hands down say slaps harder than season one. E Ethan. Yeah. 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 Ethan, what I are agree. we talking about today? Today, we are talking about Welcome to Demon School, Eruma-kun. Season, Season two, two, baby. <laughs> I guess right I should have finished that. Yeah, it's all right, but <laughs> off the rip. Danny, thoughts? Thoughts on this season in comparison to season one? Mm. Well, mm -hmm. um, so season one ended where uh, Eruma was, woke up and he was like his other self. Ooh, yeah, that was and a so that's like how season one ended, but season two didn't start like right off of that. So what? I was all like, "Wait, what the hell is going on?" And I guess they were kind of like, you know, like building up to that point. Um. So, but yeah, not like I I'm in a like hard like hard agreeance with you guys that like this season was definitely far better than the first. I think it's progressing, excuse me, fair, fairly nicely. And like how the story is going and everything. Um, yeah, I agree with you. The like beginning was a little like when shows do this, it's very jarring to me. They're yeah. like either at the end of the first season or like maybe even in a preview of, of like the episode you're watching, they'll show you something that's going to happen like near the end of the episode or like a few episodes in and you're like, what the hell is going on? Like, you know what? The other show that does this is log horizon. 
They'll like yeah. show you something that happens three episodes I never from now, that. and you're like, "What the fuck am I watching? Why are you doing this?" <laughs> yes, and then it almost feels like, as we kind of saw, there was uh, some narrative backpedaling, which I wonder if shows like this make it feel like a feature rather than maybe uh, it's a. It is clearly a narrative design choice, but it's not one that I think lands all the time super well. I think it did okay here. It gave us some credence as to why he went into his, you know, grumpy Iramakun. Well, we're going to call him, I don't know, evil, evil coon, evil coon. Well, evil cycle. his like, it, we're, what, did the, what did they call it? When, evil cycle. When they're, evil they're, cycle. They're like, de- they're a true demonic side or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember what, what they called it. It, it, it's their when, e- yeah, their evil cycle where basically they'll go yeah, through... Yeah, their evil cycle, that's what the, it was. Yeah, they'll go through these... Demons will all go through these moments in their lives where they... It's start, kind of like going on your period. <laughs> oh, no, Honestly, <laughs> yes. Because it seems like it's semi-clockwork, too. <laughs> it's their demon period and everyone's just like, oh, he's on a cycle. Like, it's that time yeah. of the whenever, right? And that's the energy yeah. they all had and they just kind of know to either to stay away or stay clear or whatever. But, um, yeah. And I think this was a this is probably my one of my favorite parts of the whole season. Him having that, and the reason why he had it, because it it's all about this. This whole show is about him failing ass backwards, but upwards into being a quote unquote successful demon. And this only leads more credence to everyone around him that oh, Irmacoon's a real bona fide demon. He has an evil cycle, right? So it kind of just helps that he got by some means the same way he has well, magic. You know, that was also because of the ring that his grandfather gave him. Mm -hmm. And and also, like, the more he progressed through his rank, the more stronger that rate, like that power um, will become. And that's kind of like how um, Elacreed was able to change uh, Irima into like to for him to have like his evil cycle. And but which I definitely really enjoyed when Irima was his evil cycle because it's all like, ooh, what is this? Like he's a baddie right now. Yes. <laughs> but I, I, I must say, just like quickly to piggyback off that, like Ali San has been such a fun addition to this. Oh, I love season. him. He's so yeah, he's funny. like the little sidekick kind of thing. And he is just wild card as fuck. Like yeah, you, you, like the basically him playing around with Alacreed, like, hey, th- like, this is how you use magic. It's an ideation sort of thing. And Irmakun never having to work with that before gets in some hilarious results. And, um, you know, it, he adds an element of chaos in an otherwise already pretty tumultuous situation for Irmakun, right? He adds this other wild card on top of it, which has been a benefit, but can be a detriment at times. And I like that kind of... Em- a- a- ambivalence between good and evil is the really bad way to say it but it's kind of what it is right um yeah i don't know it he's just like uh, the character itself is just funny because it's like he's supposed to be this kind of like almost like you said sidekick but he's really like more than that he's like a magical item almost yeah with like but the you know what danny said as he progresses through his personality gets deeper and more defined as well as like his abilities but What's I find just absolutely hilarious, and that that's why like this show so such an enigma to me 
is I don't really like comedy shows. I don't really like, you know. Oh, but this show is so funny. But it's so fucking hilarious. And, like, I don't like <laughs> musical shows either. And this, like, still does that even well. Yeah. But, like, yeah. Ali's son, he'll do, like, he'll, like, transform into, like, a girl version of himself and be, like, mad mm. at Uruma with, like, red yeah. cheeks and stuff or ble- <laughs> uh, blush and be like, I can't believe you've done this to me, you know? <laughs> He's a cheeky bitch. Sometimes. Oh, and he made him. He made a Ruma dress up in a dress, and then yeah, Amari-san yeah. walks in, and she's like, "What's what? happening?" Oh, I, I, again, I love it. The wild card energy. The hood. The, uh, what is it? Hood. Hood. Hmm? Hoodwinks. Hoodwinks. Hijinks. 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 Yeah, I, I just never. Was there any lore association to why his ranking up makes Alacreed more kind of robust and fleshed out? I don't know if there's a, I, that was the one thing I was like, why does him ranking up actually I help? don't. So I don't. I mean, it's been so long since I finished it. So I don't remember. Like, yeah, I think they just the done details. a, a do do job in general of explaining like the Demon King and his items. Like this is clearly the Demon King's freaking ring. Right. Well, right? Yeah. Sullivan was the one who gave it to Irma. Because Al, I, you know, Alacreed is is half of Sullivan's magic. That's why he put it, or he put it in the ring, or something like. Or I can't remember. So basically, yes. that ring, but it's is, the ring of gluttony, right? Yeah. But it's but what it was the Demon King's ring, and Sullivan had to charge it up so that Aruma could pretend to use magic. So it it could be like this. You know, his grandpa honestly acts a lot like Ali-san, like very like up and down mercurial. Oh, you know I like what I that. mean? So like there could be but potentially a little bit some... more dramatic because like I feel like it was really funny when um Irima like was going through his, like his baddie side and and Sullivan was all like, "Oh no." Like he was like so mortified by he used it. He's such then, a good like, boy. He, he wasn't <laughs> yeah, he wasn't sure like how long um Irma was gonna be like that. And and he I, I remember he like he's all like, could I take a picture? Like just to like, you know, savor this memory. And like he like not even like hesitation, you know, Irma just took the camera, took a picture. He's like, here you go. I'm going to school now. <laughs> right. And I, I think that's one thing I like about, you know, Batty Irmacoon because he's not like a bad dude. He's just like more driven, more I feel calculated. Like he's, yeah, he's more driven. He has a little bit more confidence. I mean, the Irma we know, you know, from season one, like he was okay with going to this demon school, but he wanted, he didn't want to stand out. But yeah, all the like all of the situations that happens leads up to him being like super stand like like he he always manages to stand out um and and him being like you know his baddie self he's standing out even more so right and um, i think i think what was super clever about that too you're right he this him standing out whether he's in baddie self or normal self is just seemingly always going to happen for him but there were still core tenets of his personality when he was his baddie self that didn't go away. He still couldn't say no to anything, which was interesting. He never denied anybody anything still. He was just very calculated about how he went about achieving things. And I think it was very clever to give him a baddie self as well from a narrative point of view because it made progression and progress for the misfits very 
poignant, very creative. Yeah. It was still yeah. driving the story. And then he could have gone back to himself at any time and been like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Like, no, don't be sorry. You literally just like, like one shotted, like Calego's basically demand of you have to go get every teacher's signature. Okay. He's, so, spe- he's just sped run that shit using all the strengths of the misfits, which is super cool. I, I love Calico. Like, <laughs> I, he's, I like too. he's such a grump, but like the situations that happens to him is so hilarious. And, and like, he has such bad luck with all of it, but it's, it's so refreshing to watch it as like it goes on um like the whole um teacher visiting like all the students homes and stuff before like their summer break and everything like sullivan forced caligo to uh go to all of the misfits um houses like for like a parent teacher conference and he was like <laughs> so pissed at this like damn it sullivan like why do you got to do this to me and like he's just like going through all like all of the outlandish things like especially with with um with clara's family you know like you just see like how um like obscure uh clara's family is and everything like that but you also see that even though like calgo is is such a grump and like he he may you may think that like he doesn't care about his students but like throughout that whole like episode um you can see that like he actually did care about all of his students and like what they should improve on and all that kind of stuff yeah he's still a big softy at the end of the day yeah i mean sometimes literally he's literally chicken boy sometimes i mean but that's so fucking cute come on like (laughs) he's a cute little little grumpy chicken chicken yeah come on yeah but what what i what i found was like really interesting about this season is if you really think about it it felt so much longer than it really was in that there was like multiple arcs within yeah Mm -hmm, like there was mm -hmm. really like the royal one uh evil cycle which we should talk about royal one a little bit just because i thought that whole thing was a really cool kind of like yeah that was that was a cool segment we had uh walter park that was wild as hell but even before that we had the the balam sensei like couple arcs or a couple episode arcs yeah i love him too yeah he's he's so sick and then you had like the amari getting amari that's right that was a long slow burn to your point to your point it didn't feel long like no it actually it felt long but it actually wasn't it this this season seemed to have these meticulously crafted like story arcs of conflict introduction irmacoon's involvement you know, the apex, its resolution, and then it fed into the outcomes of others. I mean, it got to go to Walter Park as a direct reward for the exams prior, right? And I don't know. I think that might have been why this season slapped so well, more than the first one, because it just had this beautiful overarching flow of one thing into the next, but you could talk about each individual cut what they had to bring to the table, and then it just keeps snowballing from a lore perspective from there. So I right. think, yeah, Royal One was probably the coolest just because of the the baddie cycle, but also the lore implications of all that. Right, right. for that, just just for them, um, like trying to achieve to 
instead of being in the slums, like pretty much like in the basement, like where the, where all the trash <laughs> yeah, is and everything, right. um, getting them all the signatures and all that kind of stuff, like, you know, that was, that was really cool to see. And then when like the final day came to like present the signatures and Caligo was all like, mm, you miss, like you misinterpret me. Like I didn't say just like, this you know, i think like the students are just the teachers like i meant the entire school staff and right. and that's when like you think like you thought that they were defeated it's all like oh well shit like they can't like that's like impossible they can't get every every single staff to like have their permission to get this classroom but then all of a sudden like Boom, the janitor comes, the gardener, the lunch people. He's like, like I, took, oh. I took the uh, initiative and I got everyone to sign this for you. I'm like, Literally what the fuck, all dude? because <laughs> Irima is Irima, even though it was his baddie self trying to get this. But like throughout, like when Irima was like, you know, regular Irima, he was helping out the janitor cleaning and, you know, helping out with the cooking and all that kind of stuff. So like, even though like we we like Irima as like his baddie self but like there are still things of Irima that is is pleasant because he's still helping um the people who don't really seem too important in the story yeah and i i feel like it really did um they kind of did it a little bit backwards i would say like we find out what the real demon king was like in the last episode of the season um, and they kind of, you know, backed into that where you mm-hmm. see, he's like built this netherworld that's supposed to be more whimsical, more fun, kind of like, you know, how Aruma acts, right? Aruma acts in such a way where he wants everyone to have fun. He enjoys just like hanging out with friends, you know, doing whatever. But you find out that the demon king like built this place in order to, you know, it seemed to me at least that he built it in order to kind of like take away the, the negatives of being demons, like to to diminish evil cycle to basically build a society. Whereas, you know, they, I don't, I don't remember what they call them, but the guys that want them to return to those primordial, just like evil boys, the the six fingers, right? Is that the, or the Masha, Musa Shino gang, the Masa Shino group. No, those guys I think are just like, mercenaries but there's actual bad guys behind them that want to return to being like those are the six fingers and that's where Kirio is involved right the green I think those guy. guys are straight up mercenaries there's Got like it. a okay there's a the thunder boy yes you know from the council right. he's in it but I don't know I can't remember what if they've called it something or it's it's just the guys that want them to return to like primordial like I guess they think emotion. The, the orig- yeah, the original state of demons and demonology is what the evil cycle is all the time. Like that's the true self of a yeah. demon. Again, that's a brilliant like they had in season one showed us tactics and like you said, societal provisions to avoid the evil cycle. And then when they have them, which is inevitability, inevitable, it's going to happen. They everyone's like, OK, they're they're in their evil cycle now. Let's try to tame this down. And then this showed Irima what he would be like as a baddie self in the evil cycle. And then that just leads credence to, you know, another lore side of the world of no, 
There are people that like the evil cycle concept. So again, it's just this beautiful unveiling of a world that, as far as world building, I love when they do it contextually like this, and it's not just big fat exposition dumps. Miriam McCoon's got that shit down to a science on showing, not telling. I love it. I love it absolutely. And the Royal One is a good example of that too, right? Um, that it's clear to me that Ira McCoon is kind of walking in the footsteps, so to speak, of our late, not late, missing Demon King. I wonder. He's I wonder definitely, if- I have to say, he's definitely changed in the second season versus how he, how he was in the first season. Yeah. Like, I feel like after, um, after he came back from, you know, being a baddie and stuff, did he remember everything he did while he was in his like evil cycle? I'm going to say yes. I think he remembered, right? I wouldn't say no, but I feel like since the ramifications were so far flung, like, you know, they're in a new classroom. Everyone's like, wow, thanks for helping us. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure he like, p- you know, put the pieces together mm-hmm. because wasn't he like, I feel like, didn't he I feel put, like, like he his did arm on the wall though. or whatever? Yeah. Like to it was either Clara or Omri. Like he just showed like way more confidence with them. Omri, yeah, yeah. And then like you know he has been like clearly building confidence toward like Omri. Like mm-hmm. you see that later into the season. So like you have to wonder is that because of the influence of what he remembered he did? Like you're saying, Danny or. I don't know. Is it just like bleeding over? Like, I don't know. I would love them to explain it a little bit. There was also, I feel like there was also a moment where they were talking about like, I guess if you want to call them careers in the demon world kind of thing. Um, Because there was a time where Irma asked Sullivan, like, what does it take to become, you know, the demon Lord and everything? And that was like a serious conversation because Solomon's all like, oh shit, like why is Irma talking to me about this kind of thing? Oh yeah, why and, are you asking me this? Yeah. Yeah, and and I think Solomon even asked Irma, like, do you want to become the Demon King? Like, um, and and Irma was all like, mm, probably not, not really, but like I was just curious but... on like what it takes to become the demon king but also you know we keep seeing that silhouette like every time like i think it's like in every beginning of the episode you know we we're seeing the silhouette of irima sitting in that chair with like that big pop collar cape so yeah and the imagery is clearly not lost right we we're right seeing, right i so. mean we clearly know that that's irima well, I've been thinking about it. So I was like, I had originally thought that that silhouette was saying that that's what the old Demon King looked like, this, like early in the season. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, so he's clearly like for some reason related to this guy with the same like hair curly cute thing. Right. And then as you like get deeper into the season and we see him literally sit in the chair as as like evil, uh, evil Aruma. I'm like, okay, maybe yeah. they're just like foreshadowing this piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And then when you actually see the Demon King later on, he doesn't really look that much like Aruma. So no, I no. was like, okay, so that kind of theory is blown into smoke, like clearly. 
Right. I just wonder what what is it that they're alluding to? Are they alluding to Irma's future? Are they alluding to just he seems to be somehow a guy who is fit to be this well, he, new age Demon King? Right? I think that's the whole point of the last episode was yeah. Sullivan was like, these are the traits that he had. And then you kind of think about Aruma and you're like, damn, he kind of the same, dog. Mm-hmm. He's just not mm-hmm. strong, you know? Mm-hmm. Kind of the same. Yeah. But yeah. What did you guys think of like uh uh Amirai when she was like all, you know, innocent, kind of like soft spoken? That ain't my girl. I uh, that that can't that Look, was not if my she's stepping on me. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing, but that's what that's kind of what we're like. The she is such a linchpin. She's the connective tissue for that school. Like, yeah. right? She, like shit don't run without Amari as we know her. And I think that was Elagoth's whole like that wasn't his objective because he's just kind of this weird pervert who just like wanted her to be like tame and innocent, right? But yeah, yeah. To, it was kind of an interesting that like a bit of a lack of catharsis that like this was my whole plan like I wanted the school to crumble no 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 he didn't give a shit about that he just had some weird fantasy with the Mari kind of situation he wanted to do but the side effect was much bigger we saw mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and um well they did a great job of showing like how how much effort it took to even semi replace what she was doing by herself right. previously. Yeah, and right. I I don't know. They just do a very good job, in my opinion, of showing like each character's worth to the world or to their classmates and stuff like that. Right? You see Aruma switch like to his evil cycle for like you know five days or whatever. It really wasn't long. No, and it, it wasn't. like has these massive ramifications for his friends. And then you see like you know all the whole Walter Park thing was literally only two days. Oh right. man. I'm sorry, but that that was my favorite. The Walter Park? Like, the Walter Park, when they went there, um, fucking, they were having that competition. Oh, my God. Oh my <laughs> and Opera, Opera, Balam, and Caligo went, like, as chaperones, even though Caligo didn't want to fucking be there, but Sullivan made him to, you know, keep an eye on Irima and everything. And... You know, they're all like, oh, let's make this fun. Let's split into teams. And whoever has, you know, the most fun wins. And then Caligo goes, well, if we're going to do that, then, you know, for the teams who lose, you know, you get extra summer homework. And the fact that, like, they split up, like, okay, I love opera. Like, I think I love all, like, the adult figure characters. In this show, like, I just love the chemistry between Balam, Opera, and Caligo all together. I kind of low-key want to read, like, the the spin-off prequel to this. Cause oh, there's a spin-off the, prequel? The, yeah, so the manga... Um, Mm-hmm. The, the the spin-off manga um focuses around uh Caligo while he was at um sc- while he was in D- in demon school. Fabulous. Ooh. Um yeah, so I would be very down for that. I definitely want to read it. I mean, it's only like two chapters, like it's a little like kind of like special kind of thing. Um but it would it it would be cool to just like see how he 
was when he was in school and stuff. Well, they kind of showed um, it just a tiny, tiny bit in this they season. They did, yeah, yeah. And I thought that um, was that was honestly a really cool little flashback. And then you find out Opera is just like this absolute insane monster. He's so awesome. <laughs> I love Opera. I just love like his deadpan face, and he's just like there, and like Cal- Caligo is just so timid by him and stuff. And then Balam's just over there, like, "Hey, what's up?" Like, <laughs> "Hey, what's good, y'all?" And Balam interested me so much of all three of them because it seemed season one's stance on humanity from a demon's point of view is very much food or nothing right like yeah they're literally just a food yes. source but oh god in- when inevitably, fucking Balam found out about yeah. irma and like irma just like flat out said hey i'm a human and Balam was just all like what i freaked out i was like Dude. oh you absolute dumbass why would you say that oh yeah, yeah well them. irma was all like why did i say that like but I don't know why end, I told him. It's only natural that a character like Balam, I think, would exist, right? Just instead of this pure, like, oh, humans are nothing, right? Yeah. There would be someone. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of um, the Weasley dad, who's, like, just interested in muggles where most wizards are just kind of like, whatever. Weasley. Yeah, so, like... <laughs> I agree with you. It is very, like, decent uh, parallel, because, like, he is... Balam is extremely um, interested in, like... I guess human world sea life. He's like asking about yeah. all these animals. Right. And, and like Aruma, I think just got kind of lulled into a sense of security with him being like, well, I can answer all those questions. Right. 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 And, and they had that test on, uh, on the human world. There was like oh, one yeah. subject. Mythical zoology. Yeah. <laughs> mythical zoology. And he aced it. And everyone's like, Oh my God, you're amazing. <laughs> you're He's God, like, yeah. how do you know this? Like, yeah, don't worry about, I just study real hard. No big deal. <laughs> That was super funny. And that's, yeah, that's that a very was... natural fail failing upward, right? Because it's literally a success. Okay, but everyone's okay. like, How? I, ha- I, ha- I have I have a I have a question. Uh-oh. I have an answer. Long haired Balam or short haired Balam? Long hair for sure. Yeah. 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 I thought it was so funny when he cut it. He's all like, I thought this would make me less scary. And people were all like Dude, you're even more scarier than you already were. Yeah, before at least you were like, you had like this chill aesthetic and now you just look like a crazy person for chopping off four feet of hair. Yeah, I kind of got over his short hair though. Like he actually did look kind of cute. Oh yeah, because he's this big muscle bound dude and he's just like kind of always giddy about human stuff. And he's just really kind of a softy at heart. But at the end of the day, Balam and Caligo are all like, both of them are like, badasses right they're like ranked yeah that's yeah they're um the highest ranked i think they're both eight they're uh they're um chess rank eight sure yeah so so they're both the highest ranked in the school which i thought was really interesting especially considering like if you really think about it we've only known about balam for like maybe eight episodes yeah. yeah, and yeah. now he's like so integral to the freaking plot. You're like, that's my dude. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We will not... And that's what I was saying. Like, like back to like Walter Park and stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, when when they split up the class, I thought it was really hilarious that like all the girls went with Opera, and you know your main characters like Alice, uh, Irma, and um, Irma's rival. I forget his name. Uh, the thunder. Oh, thunder boy. Thunder boy. I think his name is uh uh Shapro. I'm gonna go ahead and call him Thunder Boy Supreme. Okay, this Thunder Boy Supreme. Yes. Um, like all of them were together, and then you know the 
Uh, oh, also, like, the guy that sleeps on the cloud was also with um, Irima. And then, you know, the not-so, like, like the goofs of the class. The guy with uh, the like tail and the Jazz owl, owl and, oh, jazz. and yeah, yeah, yeah. lead and um, I forget uh, the owl dude. Little um, pervert owl boy. Yeah, they all were with Caligo, who's like the most non-fun person ever. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the biggest drag all, of all time. And they were all like, we're screwed. Like, we are not going to win. And everything. <laughs> it was so funny. Wait, it's and those... they tried to put, they tried to put like, like, you know, like Mickey Mouse ears on freaking Caligo to make it seem like they're oh, having fun. Yeah. And they... It's yes. just making it worse. I know. And I think this... Walter Park is a good example of another thing. I think Ian McCoon, especially this season, it seems to understand what made sitcoms, situational comedies so engaging. It is yeah. letting the characters and their interactions make the jokes land rather than narratively forcing them in or kind of shoestringing and stuff like that. And... uh they kind of captured a very Kona Suba vibe at times where it's like these characters interacting is what makes the, it funny in the situation. Not mm-hmm. like, oh, we're going to set up a joke now, right? It, no, yeah, it's, it's just yeah. this natural. And they, they do it because they have these moments where they will have different random groups of, our, of the same overall cast just mix and match. And as they mix and match, how would that yeah. react, you know? And uh, I think it's just how vibrant the cast is, really. Like, every single yeah. character, I can find, like, a part in this season where I've enjoyed, like, kind of their, their I guess, contributions. Like, specifically, I think uh, during Royal One, we get to see, like, the, all the special abilities yes. of every one of the students of the in the Misfit, yeah. as well yeah. as the teachers. So, like, really deepens our knowledge of what's going on at Babylis. Uh, academy and then i i don't know like jazz is absolutely hilarious you get all those like those uh those um flashbacks of him with his older brother his older mm-hmm, brother's just like mm-hmm. stealing all his shit and being like <laughs> sorry bud in our family you know if you can't keep it you lose it and it just yeah, it yeah. gives some credence as to why he's got some pretty sticky fingers you know yeah. like but so yeah it, that's a really good point too because that felt very a very natural way to do a showcase of everybody's talents right and i think that made the royal one arc so much more satisfying at the end because this wasn't ear mccoon shining above the rest this was the quote-unquote misfits this was everybody's effort right yeah ear mccoon just yeah. was the conductor to this kind of demonology orchestra of everyone playing their part um and it resulted in them getting the most clap in classroom of all fucking time i want that dorm are you kidding me? I want that. Well, I, I will say their uh, their original classroom wasn't really that bad either. It was just next to the trash cave. <laughs> well, that sucked, but I I don't know. I like the aesthetic of like an underground kind of like secret base kind of feeling. I yeah. liked that, but like I definitely agreed with them where, you know, their their classroom was just so secluded and, you know, they got made fun of no respect for being in that classroom <laughs> and, you know, all the other classes just left, kept leaving trash in front of their their classroom and stuff. So I also sh- found it weird. Yeah, what, this is bigotry. <clears throat> you're, you know, you're shaming us out. Like in my head, I'm like they're demons. This is literally right. like this is very up their alley to hierarchically mm-hmm. divide people. Someone's got to be on the bottom, right? It only felt I just didn't think the argument of oh we're being uh, discriminated against because we're we're labeled as misfits. I'm like, well, right. somebody has to be. 
right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So here's my question for y'all. Okay. Would you have enjoyed instead of like a royal one type arc, uh, like mini arc, I guess it would have been like they they take on it'd be sort of like classroom of the elite where you take on class B and steal their classroom because that would have felt more like to mm. me more more demony hmm. right where they can like showcase their I don't know killer instinct if you want to say or like their ability to show malice or I don't know whatever you would call it but kind of like this this idea where we get to see more students in the rest of the school right because like if there's a misfit class there has to be other classes for year ones that's where my head was at yeah so here's my take on that sure we're gonna we're gonna see more i think so too season three is already announced too i need tournament arcs damn it i see (laughs) i smell a tournament arc um which i'll give that in a second maybe when we get a little further in about the ending and where they kind of landed season three setup but my take on that is initially i've been like well if you think about it this whole uh, venture would have been spurred on by Batty Irmacoon. And we already established right. he did not have a lot of time in that mode. Could he have gotten it all done in those couple of days, right? That crazy challenge after challenge. But I think that could still work if halfway through that endeavor, they're on a roll. They're steaming ahead, right? They're just clapping classrooms, le- classes left and right and rising the ranks. His evil cycle goes away. His entire team, his entire misfit class are already fired up like oh no, your evil cycle is over, but we still got to do this thing. So he has to continue the leadership right. as normal Iramakun. And that yeah. maybe could be good character development for him for confidence and leadership and stuff like that. So I think that still could have worked. That would have been pretty interesting to see the halfway through that. And, yeah, I oh, agree. No. Yeah, I think that would have been actually funnier. Yeah, right. And he's, he's like, like oh, what have I know, done? Like, <laughs> what have I done? Where he's always like, you know, like grabbing his head or something, like nervous. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah i think and he would have had to learn to be like competitive in a way because there's a season there's a moment in the season where he's like i kind of now understand what it feels like to be angry because i have something to stand for i have something to be angry about this could have been a very natural another natural way to present that to him you know um so yeah would i have liked to see that yes is it <laughs> at the end of the day because my shonen trash brain is thirsty for tournament arcs you Bet your ass it's because I'm thirsty for tournament arcs. I'm Which, pretty sure we're going to get like sports yeah. festival kind of thing going on. Well, that would be like your tournament arc kind of thing. You remember in like, it had to be like the first couple episodes, they had that little competition to see if they could rank up. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where that the was, fuck has that been? Yeah. <laughs> it's like they stopped for six well, months. They already, well, they, they already have their ranks already and like... It's it's like before when they went on their um, like summer vacation, they had their exams and stuff. And and remember what Caligo said, like, if you guys pass your exams, um, you know, you'll you'll bump up a rank. Um, but if you don't, like if any one of you fails, you're you're going to uh one y- your rank is going to decrease, but also you guys are going to get kicked out of Royal One. So there there was a stake there for them to make sure that uh, every single person in the misfit class passes so that they can either one rank up, you know, rank up their rank and Mm -hmm. also stay in Royal One. So here's my you kind of perfectly segued. And I think the one gripe I'm having about the season twos and use of Royal One and what I'm smelling now for season three. 
I see that I'm if you're if something. You, yeah, yeah. I'm sniffing <laughs> it out because we saw that was a very engaging, you know, you all need to pass or you can't keep your status in Royal One. At the end of the season, a similar proposition was made that by a certain time you all have to be at least rank four. Yep. Or, oh yeah, that. Yep. Or mm-hmm. you lose Royal One. Is this just going to be a repeat? Is it going to stagnating of stakes for them? Because they basically climbed from rags to riches. And now is the rest of like the stakes like do X or you lose Royal One. Do Y or lose Royal One. I really hope they find a way to move away or make that a little more engaging for stakes. But you know what I'm saying? Is this going to be the fallback for like the next two seasons? Everything is yeah. do it or lose Royal One. I mean, I'm a little worried they've painted themselves into a corner with the ranking system because you yeah. only have 10 ranks. Can only go so high. His grandpa is the highest ranked person in the entire world, and I don't think he's even a ten, or maybe he's the only ten. I think they're nine. Actually, uh, Sullivan is Tet, which is nine, ranked nine. Right. So there's no one that's a ten right now. Balum and Calgeo are the only eights in the entire school. Like at some point, it's going to get really awkward when like these misfit second year students are like rank six and all the teachers are rank six or seven like you know yeah. what i mean i think they've really painted themselves in this weird kind of this corner where they made it seem like okay yeah you have to rank up to to continue this classroom or staying on this course for instance like like think about my hero academia if they said okay you're all ranked and you have to rank up in order to stay on hero course one Right. You know what I mean? Or yeah. else you'll get pushed to Hero Coast Course 3. Like, I could see that would make more sense here, right? Where you're, like, remedial, but they're already remedial, and now they're like, you gotta right. really, really rank up, boys. They're still remedial, <laughs> but they just have a really banging classroom, and right. now I think you and I are both coming at it from the same you got the same, so- or different sides of the same issue, right? Have they basically fell, fell into a narrative loop of, you need to rank up, that is the ultimate goal, how many times can you say that until essentially, oh, wait, how are you guys nines already? How is that even fucking possible? Because in like season three. Right. Or the other way around is it gets exponentially harder to go from like four to five than five to six. I mean, it definitely is like that. It's like experience for Pokemon, right? Yeah, right. Like level 90 takes a billion years, but level two doesn't take that long. Exactly. Or in the other, and the other side is if you don't do X, Y, Z, A, whatever. The t- I guess at the whims of Keligo at this point, you lose Royal One. And it's just like, oh, cool. Are we ever going to see any kind of more unique or elevated stakes? He's Is also it- kind of just like a raging dickhead for that. It's like they <laughs> work their asses off to get this classroom and he's just like, you know what? Rank up or you're going to lose yeah, it. Yeah, you must be <laughs> like, perfect All right, dude. model students or fuck you because I couldn't get Royal One. I wonder if he's just salty about his past. Like he tried this and failed. And how did Irmacoon and the Misfits get it? I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, that's the only thing I'm worried a little bit about the the, the coming seasons. Do I think they'll find a way around it? Of course. I think they've shown narrative chops for that. But, um, yeah, I hope it's just not a keep Royal One or die. Like, (laughs) there's only three people who are level like rank 10. Oh. And that's the Demon King, uh, this Lord. Uh, Balliard and Lady Levi. Those are the only three people that are ranked 10. Lady Levi is the literal 10 out of 10. 
Well, those are those people that were at the table with Sullivan, right? They're like yeah, called something yeah. special, the top three or whatever. Yeah, oh, yeah. the so Sullivan's 13 nine. crowns, I believe. Right, but they have, there's like a separate title for just the top three there. And remember, they like, they had their meeting and they're just like talking about each other's grandchildren. The three greats, that's what they yeah. called yeah. the, the rank 10 people. And the only reason Sullivan got Aruma was just so he could talk about his grandchild now with them. <laughs> right, right, because everyone so at that like council meeting is like talking about their grandkids and shit. So, so damn petty. I love it. I love the whole. I love the whole premise of this entire show. But yeah, so I mean, in I, I did I like Erin McCoon's arc. Yes, I wonder how this Amari Erin McCoon kind of lovers thing is going to pan out. Okay, that's she, so freaking cute. I'm it sorry. Is cute. Do you like... think Erin McCoon is Erin McCoon that oblivious? Like really that oblivious? Okay, he seems to like get it at the end. Though, I think he does fair. finally he kinda, get it. Okay, I think he does get it. But but you also have to remember, like his his human parents treated him like a piece of shit. Do you think like, he just has like uh, some relationship issues overall <laughs> about trusting I mean, people? I can see. Yeah, it. I would think. I mean, like, are you kidding? Like, he can't say no to people. By instinct, like, yeah. Like he doesn't. A, he a doesn't like. Oh, Irma, can you like hold my books? Sure. Irma, can you like Irma eat that piece of shit? Okay, like <laughs> pretty glad that hasn't come around yet. But who's to say it won't? Like, um, I mean, but I get what you're saying. You know. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that like that something Amari's infatuation with Ira McCoon. I was that was born in season one from his ability to read the quote unquote forbidden text, which is just like romance and romance it's just manga. manga yeah right. it's manga and yeah. it's in japanese which the demons can't read japanese right so i guess she, her in fact they're in, her infatuation with him i wonder i hope he gets it at some point to really make something happen there but i don't know will the show lose a bit of luster if that back doki, and doki. Forth? doki doki <laughs> yeah doki because doki. <laughs> she's got a real rr energy about him and i mean that whole that whole situation well, is very well documented that, so space, so another but. thing about that um the girls like uh clara uh Eliz- uh elizabetta elizabetta um, elizabetta and then well, <laughs> what's, what's, X? The, it's so uh, funny. <laughs> what's the freaking uh idol girl's I name i can't remember her name oh but uh, the glasses girl yeah, the one yeah, that's yeah. in disguise. Yeah, yes, yes, like yes, they yeah. all kind of like go and hang out at Amari's house, and you know it's all like, oh, let's talk about boys. Like, you know, who do we like? Like, and everyone was all like, Irma is kind of cute, and then Amari's all like, oh, a rival, like <laughs> a rival. Let's okay, <laughs> students, let's get this straight. No one can fucking rival Amari's son. Are you kidding? She thinks Clara is a rival because Clara just constantly hangs out with Irima. Clara like, is like a puppy, more or less. But yeah, but I think the concern is like she will eventually grow up, and then look at her mom. Right, her, her, her mom, mom's okay. an absolute smoke show. Her mom is so a legit you gotta smoke be show. really careful if you're uh, Amari because this girl's hanging all over him now. Wait till she. Uh, blossoms let's just say and then then right. she's in trouble that would be right. so i oh i would love to see that where amari meets <laughs> claire's mom not that amari meets claire's mom and then she puts two and two together like oh fuck like oh no 
<laughs> I this... mean, we have to meet Amari's mom, right? To, to even the playing field. Oh, true. You're right. We need to. Where's that at? Where is Amari's mom? We know, uh, what's his name? Alice, uh, Alice's mom is like absolutely smoking. Smoke show. Yes. Isn't she like a demon of love of some Something sort? Something like that, yeah. Asmodeus song. Yes. There's some, uh, there's some dime pieces in the show, man. There are. Well, Elizabetta is like kind of like a siren it's, of her own. Succubus yeah. of sorts? Succubus. That's yeah, right. succubus That's kind of thing. <laughs> total, total side tangent. I was having a conversation with someone about succulents and I mixed up the words succulent and succubus and they're like, uh, what the fuck was that? You got to water your succubus <laughs> once a week? What? <laughs> kind of true. <laughs> I guess I guess it is true. But anyway, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I don't know. I almost feel like it's just kind of this character interaction of romance where you have this back and forth, will they, won't they, and there's like one unrequited, one is just kind of aloof or just ignorant of the whole thing. How long can that go on for? Where do they go from there to keep that fresh, you know? Because I want that to keep, that's a really funny comedic thing um, that they have, but at some point, naturally it would end somehow, right? Either they get together or they don't. Yeah. I don't know where they go We won't know until we watch or read Ugh. can't do that <laughs> can't yeah we famously can't read so um all right guys the, the big question though uh-oh. how the f is this show so good how is it so good i want to hear why it's good for each of you and then i'll try to articulate why i think it's good and then maybe all three will be the same thing or we'll have different reasons why we like it fair danny ladies first okay um why i like this show well okay so there's there's there is this one thing like the um like i guess like the events that happens in the show is definitely like lenient more towards like teens especially like 13 12 maybe because like it does have that kind of like little kid kind of thing like you know power friendship kind of kind of thing um literally like saturday morning cartoons eating a bowl of fruit loops or something like that Mm. that's what i get the vibes out of this show yeah um but in all honesty like what i love about this show and why i i am like so in depth in like wanting to know what happens um is the characters like and the situations that happens in the show like i'm telling you right now yes alice and like irima are like great characters like like the main people um that this show is about are great but honestly like the real like uh fruit of the loom characters that really pulls this show together are the like the quote-unquote adults of this show like opera uh caligo sullivan balam like those characters is what like really sets uh sets the tone of the show because of all the outlandish events and everything i can't tell you how many times caligo comes up on screen and some outlandish thing happens like whether he has to go to like the student's houses to do like a parent teacher conference or going to fucking walter world with like the most intimidating person he does not want to be around 
Like even yeah. even at the event of Caligo going, like Irima's house was the last house that he went to, and he did not want to go to his house because Opera was there. Like he is so intimidated by Opera, and is so hilarious because Opera's all like, "Come on, like Caligo, let's like you know do this," and Caligo's just like, "Fuck no, like get away from me." Like it's just <laughs> too funny. I love watching those like obscure events that happens between the adults yeah um I, that segue is really good one of the, way, the ways i would articulate that because that was gonna be one of my points was each of the adults in this show seem to have something that's sub, like the 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 makeup of either their personalities or their situational uh like moments they subvert a part of a trope right you have the doting grandfather and sullivan who is kind of subverted by being this absolute world-class badass, right? But then mm -hmm. flips back and forth, right? Kind of subverts mm -hmm. that back and forth. One part of him subverts the other and vice versa. Balam, he's subverting the entirety of like, he's a human expert, but, you know, he actually dotes on them. Like he actually doesn't see them as food, but actually is interesting. He's right. subverting this traditional thing. You Humans have... are friends, not food. Yes, people are friends. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, Bruce. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and uh, even Calgo, where he's like this stuffy, like hard-ass teacher, but then his situational luck is subverting that by making him all the time in different ways cutesy or like kind of stuck in these really awkward situations of lightheartedness and brevity against him trying to be a badass. So he's getting subverted. So. They pull the rug out from under you with these adult characters, and I think that's why they're so fun to watch, because they're always changing up what you've been trained to expect for each of these types of characters. So I'm totally right. on, on board with you there. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, trying to think. What also I think is good about this show, and it wasn't, I couldn't put it in the words until I started watching Dragon Maid, um, ah. where a couple other shows... <laughs> Shows like this, Dragon Maid is good, and I will stand, I'll die on that hill. That's actually quite quite good. Um, basically, these slice of life or comedy shows that have this fantastical element do something really interesting, and they give lore building as context to why a certain slice of life situation, moment, character introduction, or what have you, is engaging, is funny, is this. An example in Dragon Maid, when you meet a new dragon or there's like a new antagonistic force that comes in, it's a natural way to build this fantasy lore behind these dragons. And then it goes right back into the slice of life. But it's a mm -hmm. natural churn in the background that there are entire wikis just built on the Dragon Maid lore. You could do the same yeah. and say the same for, for Irmacoon, right? As yeah. you need to m find out why what Irmacoon's about to get into is funny, they have to build the demon lore behind it. So then he can either subvert or play into it or fail ass backwards upwards in that. So as right. they give credence to why Irmacoon's placement in this world is so funny, they're churning and building a pretty robust demonology in the background. And then before you know it, you turn your head at the end of the season, you have a pretty robust world that's backing all these characters. And I really like that lore built in service of what they're actually here to do which is a comedic slice of life in a demon world with a good character piece um so it's a sneaky narrative thing but if done right it's a very powerful one that you look away for two seconds and come back you have a pretty uh pretty dense demon world to work on so i think that might be a huge for me 
And for people who are watching this, not Slice of Life fans, not comedy fans, and why is it so gripping? Because there is a real lore back there that, yeah. you know, some wrinkles are required to just follow everything, I think. So. See, I think it's, I mean, it, this is an absolute enigma of a show, frankly, for it me. Yeah. It, it's something where it's got me interested in watching their next, like, musical number. Like, I can't stand that shit in any other show. Right. Um, and it's just, I think for me, it's really the subversion of the entire idea of the netherworld. Okay. Where it's like, it's so effing fun. They're, it's so chaotic. It's so, like, whimsical. Like, even the, the, the like, creatures are just like, you know, you go into Clara's, like, crazy forest and, like, the, the arch, you know, style changes and it's just, like, all these, like, dorky-looking animals the weird that are just, like... monster thing? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they go looking for... Uh, like cooking ingredients during this oh, season. Oh yeah, that was hilarious was like, when like after Walter World and and fucking Sullivan, you know, said, "Oh, Irma was the one who saved everyone at Walter <laughs> oh, that's Park," right, and yeah. and Clara was all like, "Hey, you can hide out at my house," and you know, that's when they were like, "Okay, we gotta you know hunt for dinner now. Let's let's go." <laughs> But they're just like, you know, it's like almost like a Door of the Explorer scenario where there's like all like walking down these like yeah. random spots and they're like, oh, there's food. Oh, yeah. that's right. And there's that other that other episode where basically Sullivan fakes a situation right. to make himself look like the best, most badass grandpa around. Right. Where that's a subversion. Like they're in the demon world. They could have gone anywhere to have that really happen. And Sullivan actually slapped them in the next week. But he felt the need to construct something fake to kind of keep them safe maybe i'm not sure but again is is you're right they somehow made what would otherwise be a very gnarly metal topic super light and fun it's cool mm-hmm. yeah and i think like even room as a character would generally annoy me like just being that like super nice um i actually have a surprise later for danny that is going to kind of tie into that Ooh. uh but <gasps> the like super what? nice character that's just like a fucking rug you know for everybody <laughs> yeah. to, to wipe their dirty feet off on yeah but in this case like i think he just like instantly changes everyone so much and like frankly demons aren't that bad like nobody here is like really being a raging dickhead other than like the super bad guys we don't really know much about yet sure and like even i would say curio Kir- who was like trying to blow up the school like, oh, right. yeah. they're just like kind of chill, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I did want to like quickly address something you said, Ricky, where it feels like a really robust world. And I agree, there's definitely a robust world out there. I just feel like we haven't really seen much of it yet. It's only. We've only seen Babylon, Walter Park, and like a few other like tiny little locations. But we yeah. know there's some yeah. serious shit going on out there. And I can't wait to just meet more characters. And I think that's what makes a show or any really IP like the story good is yeah. when you're like foaming at the mouth to meet other characters, you know, these guys have built a good enough world or a good enough character set to where like, you know, we know a lot of characters, frankly, like an entire class worth of people, a lot of adults. And I'm still like super excited to meet the next character, even Romero, the freaking annoying ass guy. I, I love it. I thought I was going to hate him the moment <laughs> I laid eyes him. on him, but he is so fucking funny it's just like how does this happen um, yeah. <laughs> i did i did appreciate like seeing them not in in bat 
at Babylis all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, you know, I love the school. Don't get me wrong, but like it was definitely refreshing to see them in like a different atmosphere. Um, like you even like... saw, you even saw it in like Irima's face, like when, like during their summer break and stuff, when they decided to go to Walter Park. Like you saw the excitement in Irima, like yes, this is like so exciting. This is like my first time going to an amusement park like ever in my entire life like he was just so excited um and then like when he got so excited his excitement makes you feel excited and you're like you know what fuck it let's do this walter yeah yeah (laughs) but then like he got so he got too excited and he ended up getting lost in in at walter park right so (laughs) yeah i I kind of what you're saying with the world right you know other stuff's out there, but they only give you the deets, the sweet deets, when it is purpose-driven by the comedy or the situation right in front of you. So it doesn't feel like an exposition dump, but you are kind right. of like, and I love the introduction, like the six fingers. Like, there is clearly movements and philosophies bubbling under the surface, but we don't care about that right now. We don't have to. Not until it comes into the, the lens of Irmacoon. Then we get yeah. the... Yeah. We get the driver, him, Irmacoon, kind of showing us those new details by merit of him coming across it. So yeah, but you would think like Sullivan would be doing stuff, and like we would see kind of like glimpses of him worrying about this, or like Omri's father. You know what I mean? Like Fair. we we yeah. know characters who are like police officers, essentially. Right. Like it would be nice to see them like at least, I guess, conscious of these things going on. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I don't think it's that big of a deal because we're only two seasons in and for it to be this effing good after two seasons, like I am super excited for, you know, future seasons. Hell yeah. I yeah. think we should wrap this up because my surprise might take a little bit. Uh-oh. Okay. So <laughs> at least we got, you know, we got to do it to him. We got to score season two. Danny, out of a hundred. Oh, uh, what did I A hundred demon, it? demon exams, mytholo- mythological zoology exams out of a hundred. Um, I gave it a 70. What? That's so low. I did. Yeah, well, I think at the time I was being a little bit more critical because <laughs> I would, like, <laughs> I hate it because I'm starting to be like, Nick, I should actually change that. Like, well, also, <laughs> Wait, I did but- change the point system on Annie List to a 100-point system instead of 10-point system. Let's go. Oh, there you go. Um, you're learning. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the benefit of freaking Annulus versus Mal. Mal sucks. It does suck. But it's um it's there. Let's let's hmm, let's make it you put in that drum roll. Let's make it ninety five. That's what's up. A seventy yeah. to a ninety five. What a jump. <laughs> I mean, I could see someone seeing season one like, all right, they have their one foot in the door and this season just blasted in like round real like, yeah, like this is this is it. This is a show. I think for me, man, I'm going to give it a 91. It's a mm. show I can't forget. I can't take it. I couldn't take it out of the 90s. I think it's a show that is just it for whatever reason, it, it sears into your mind. You walk away happy. It's wholesome as fuck. 
and yeah it's it, super cute like it just uh, robust yeah. like so here's, every piece here's the good. one thing no etchy let's go yeah here here I, i'm sorry to interrupt no, uh, ricky on you on this but i do have to say say this one thing um it's like oh crap i forgot what i was gonna say oh you really teed <laughs> oh, it up too no. it's gone it's okay Shit. he's used to people interrupting him Look, <laughs> <laughs> usually they're like coming with something Mm-hmm. Huh? Usually they come into something, something when they interrupt me, but that's neither here nor I there. I bet you. I bet you. The minute I I I listen to this, I'll start. I'll remember. Okay. Well, I'm gonna try to do mine, and maybe <laughs> if you want to interrupt me, feel free. Got it. I think <laughs> this is a 93 out of 100. Amari is goddess. Nice. A 93 Ooh. Amari goddesses. I also I love her effing ability. By the way, her like blood limit ability. We oh, didn't really yeah. talk yeah. about it a lot. Wild. I can't remember what it was called, but it's it's something like pretty applicable or uh, that's not the right word. Similar to what I've seen in other shows where her ability is like she's as strong as she thinks she is, essentially, or like that's her blood limit ability. Yeah. And I've seen that before where it's like if you think your skin is like diamond, it'll be diamond. You know what I mean? It's just something about the Dream King. Yeah, it's like your actualization of the power you think you have, but right. that it's so literally sick. your confidence is manifested in. It it could be kind of boiled down to, you know, fairy dust and believing, but it's a little more robust. It's a little more deeper than that, <laughs> Power right? Friendship. Um or like say which, you're fighting a big monster, you kick kick it and it doesn't like react and you start feeling like downtrodden, your yeah, power goes down. Your power goes down. Which I think is honestly why that Elagoth perfume arc that turned her into a timid little little baby girl could have been really dangerous, right? Yeah. Like that actually oh, is yeah. I her mean, actual like, kryptonite. You know? Yeah, was, I mean, at that time, we didn't even know if she was going to be able to revert back to state president, her original self. So and her, that she makes her power lost. just null and void, totally, totally gone. Because she's only yeah. as strong as she thinks she is. She's like, oh, I don't know if I could do this, you know. And then, like, yeah, she can't because she can't believe it. So, um, yeah, her bloodline limits fucking gnarly, dude. Nar nar, dude. Yep. Okay, so Not my only surprise. That, her hair changes color too. So. Yeah, who doesn't like? That? Well, like she has like a pink sheen. It's like a like celestial armor almost. Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. Even Opera realized like how like sick she is. She, yeah, yeah. During that, so fight, I thought they I were related because they both have those little kitty ears. Yeah. Little meow meow ears. Oh, actually, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even put two and two together, but there was nothing to put together. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, they might still be, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't really know how the whole lineage scenarios go, but anyway, here's my surprise, Danny. Oh, boy. So you know how you, like, talk crap about us not watching Shoujo ever and how <laughs> yeah. we're, like, bad <laughs> in general about just that? clearly not. And then, like... Flushing out our repertoire. You and one of the anime bros talk shit about me because I didn't watch, you know, Shoujo and, like, have no soul and stuff like that, right? <laughs> yeah, constantly, like, all the time. Right. Yeah. Well, I watched season one of Fruits Basket. <gasps> I know. No, you did There's you your did. surprise. You did? I did. And I sucked down Dragon Maid both seasons. Yeah, I remember. I remember, like someone for I think it was Bob Man who like called me, and and saw him to like go over to the Weebachi Discord and just like shit on you for not watching it. Ethan doing the fruit baskets. That's the that's the real one right there. Yay! Did you finish or or are you still watching? 
I only watched season one because it's twenty five episodes. That's a chunker. Oh, oh so you fit? So you finished season one? Yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. Okay. Yeah, it's uh. First of all, this is it's exact length of Log Horizon, so it's sixty four episodes or something like that total. Yeah. Which yeah. pretty hefty, <laughs> let's just heft. say. Um, I so. Once again, super not in my wheelhouse. Not exactly a shoujo uh, fan here, but this show I, I would say is is definitely solid. The yes. main character is the worst character in the whole show, and everyone else. Oh, you're is gonna dope. love her. Long, uh, I like, really doubt it. Down the road, <laughs> honestly, no. Like honestly, She's like doormat. right now, like season one. Yeah, season one. Toru is definitely you know like your ditzy freaking like doormat Sama. Yeah, yeah. She she's definitely. I mean, even my own best friend. Like, if you listen to um my fruits basket um extra episode i had my best friend uh melka on and she she said the same thing like she did she didn't like toru's character in the beginning um toru definitely develops as you go um throughout the like the next two seasons um well i think it's also this just kind of it happens in most show or a lot of shows really like definitely like some slice of lives where there's this one character that's just like too perfect. Like people shit on her all day long. And she's like, she's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I did that to piss you off. And it's just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Stick yeah. up for yourself. Or like, <laughs> yeah, oh she yeah. like people are, she only sees people's like asshole sides. And then she's like, Oh, I'm sure they're thinking this. They're actually kind on the inside. And it's like, yeah, what? It's just, I think it's, uh, it's one of those scenarios where, like, she's too, I guess, um, cause she's like ditzy and stupid, but she also has like just insane insights into these people's lives by like mm-hmm. looking at mm-hmm. them once. Yeah. And, uh, you'll understand the more you watch, the more you'll understand why Toru is the way she is. Well, I mean, her mom, Kyoko, was so, a badass, so... I, yeah, yeah, I, but there's there's more to that, and I'm not going to say it. It sounds almost like that she's, like, a worse Iramakun, if we're going to tie it, because she's, like, doormat, apologizes for everything, seems to see the best in everybody, but it's clearly not, I guess, working in a human world or just the way they set up that kind of character. They seem archetypally bound in some way, just from tangentially hearing, as a fruit basket noob, complete noob, just hearing what I'm hearing. You um, should watch it too, Ricky. Oh God, I, I honestly don't know what would really separate the two. Like I thought the same thing before we started this. I was like, okay, this is my planned surprise for Danny. But how how do I like <laughs> talk about how I, why I hate Toru, but I like Aruma? Right, right. It, it's hard to like really explain. I will say I, I watched Dub like Sumi, but oh to- no. Toru's so here's voice the thing. is phenomenal okay. in dub. Here here's the thing with Fruits Basket, okay? okay? Like so obviously you know that this is like a complete readaptation uh-huh. of Fruits Basket. Like this is like the true story of Fruits Basket. Um and they so in back in two thousand one, there there is an original Fruits Basket, right. but it didn't do well. Well it it did well, but also at the same time, the author of the manga hated the like hated the two thousand one one. Um, it the two thousand version um, is more uh, comedy relief versus drama, which 
what the re-adaptation is. It's definitely more heavy drama versus comedy. Like they, they, they throw in like those little like, you know, jokes here and there, but like, it's definitely way more drama heavy than like, kind of like romance, um, comedy kind of thing. Um, but the dub for Fruits Basket, they got majority of the original cast from 2001 to voice the readaptation. So mm. I grew up with the 2001 version of Fruits Basket. So I watched it dub. Um, and it's fabulous. Like, I love the dub of Fruits Basket. I don't I don't care who what anyone else says i think it's a masterpiece like yeah, it really this is gonna go it really brings the story together at least in my opinion well the characters um, i th- or whoever the actresses and actors were they all have like phenomenal voices i will say um, that there's that one uh i don't know if calling calling him a trap is cor- like correct to say or whatever but he's one of who? the one of the zodiacs rin the monkey Oh, uh, Ritsu. Ritsu. Yeah. Very obviously a guy's voice. It is. Yeah. So <laughs> Ritsu so is a boy. I was like, very good job. Like, because I yeah. was instantly, I'm like, why is this girl got a dude's voice actor? I'm like, what's yeah. happening? Ethan almost got <laughs> yeah, snared. No, Ritsu, Ritsu <laughs> is, is a boy. Um, he just is comfortable in women's clothes. Yeah, um, I know. That's I'm just saying. Just how he is. <laughs> once I once um, I found out that it was legitimately a boy, I'm like, okay, now the voice actor choice actually makes sense. Because yeah. at first I was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> so so the um, VA who plays Ritsu is the the same VA who voices um, Haruhi's uh, dad in Oran High School Host Club. I don't remember. The drag queen dad. Oh, that's the same voice actor. I and see. Uh, Seems Chris Sabat. Chris Sabat plays uh, IMA. You I know, know Vegeta. Which is so wild. It's, <laughs> I love it. Okay, I want Chris Sabat to play more more of those roles. Like he's he is that good of an actor to do that i i like don't get me wrong i love him being like all these meaty like characters but i want him to like get more flamboyant flamboyant roles because he's so good boy. at doing it like i i am a is is, is a perfect example yeah i i don't know the show's like i said i think i genuinely like every other character more than i like um toru but I, and that's I have a to real, be expected. a real, real soft spot for her friends, Hana, Hana, whatever, Hana Jima, Hana Jima, and, and uh, Oatani, Oochan, yeah. Um, and both their backstories were just like, damn, they're great. Yeah, they're awesome. Unreal, good stuff. Yeah, but it's almost yeah. like you know, I don't know. I I definitely felt like the rest of the entire cast had way more depth than uh, Toru. Which is, it's hard yeah. to watch a main character with, like, surface level depth. <laughs> yeah. And, so, and, I would so say. the first, the first season is definitely really not about Toru so much. Um, it's, it's really about more of her figuring out, like, who, which Soma member is, is which Zodiac animal kind of thing. Um, and, as soon as you get to like 
the end of season two and the beginning of season three, you will understand why Toru is the way she is. So I'm and sure she I'm also gets it. a major character <laughs> sure. development at at season three. So I, I'm we know I'm gonna hate it. We know, Danny, that you will relentlessly pitch this show to me. But yeah. Ethan, <laughs> would you pitch this show to me? So like in terms of like uh rating it, there's really nothing wrong with it. So I can't okay. like you know what I mean? I, if I said anything below an 80, I'd be just being a hater on oh, purpose. No, not a ranking. Yeah. Just, yeah. As someone you just who be isn't, spiteful right, right yeah. there. <laughs> as someone who isn't like us, who are not typically in the shoujo space, would you still pitch it having watched season one to me? Is it, and you could be as honest as you want to, is it worth the time? I think it's watchable and it's okay. got some like interesting aspects. Okay. Um, I don't th- feel like my life has changed. <laughs> okay, you know yeah, I mean? that, like, that's fair. Like, like you didn't walk away for better. Me, if it was between like Log Horizon and this, I would watch Log, Log Horizon, Horizon. Right, right. Ten out of ten times. Oh, I guess nine out of ten times. There, I th- I could f- see somebody like Shonen schmucks like us enjoying this show. Okay, I think when when she had uh, or she went on Anime Brothers show, I can't remember what it was. Did did he come on your show or did you go on his? I went on, yeah, no, I went on uh, Anime Brothers and Earthworm and I did uh, a Fruits Basket episode. Right, yeah. so oh, so like that, they, yeah. he enjoyed it. Okay. And he's also yeah, a show in schmuck. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, evidently it is enjoyable enough for even like complete loser chads like us to Got enjoy it. it. So what I'm hearing is <laughs> if I had the entire catalog of anime to watch in front of me, it wouldn't be something you'd pick out of the stack first. But if you were told you have to pick a slice of life, you would pick this one higher up on most lists. If if someone said, I'm going to shoot you in the face right now, if you don't watch a shoujo and <laughs> you could choose this one, I would choose it. Where did you get that gun, Ethan? Why, what, what is, what is well, this? Oh, no. So well, here's how to frame it I, to you, but... <laughs> can I just say one thing to you that can. pitch, Ricky? You can. Uh, Fruits Basket Season 3 is number two ranking on Annie List. It is also number five on Mal List. Yeah, the problem is you have to get through 50 fucking episodes to get to <laughs> it. But it's oh, no. so freaking worth it. It, it is so worth it. So I guarantee you. I guarantee you it is so worth it. You know what? Maybe I... You know what? You... I think you may have landed it where I might... Oh my God, look at that. Baki just came out on Netflix. It looks like I'm watching that instead. <laughs> well, that's Netflix. I'll say it is... It's pretty bingeable. I watched okay. in like sessions of like eight or ten episodes per sitting. Yeah, I have such a such a bad like ADHD when it comes to shows. I'll be watching something I know I should be, and then I was finishing Irmacoon, and then I noticed on Friday that Bakihama dropped on Netflix the new yeah. the next season, and yeah. I'm like, "Yep, done." Also, done. dropping the, Irmacoon for the now. Rest, I'm gonna watch that. Yeah, the rest of uh, Seven Deadly Sins came out too. Yeah, we're pretty lukewarm on that. I got lukewarm be on that uh, one, but, but yeah, I binged the whole thing to I'm catch like, up, and I actually fairly enjoyed it. So many freaking shows going right now. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I'm like in the middle of seven or eight shows. We all have some mad, mad homework to do. But you know Dude, what? This last summer season, I w- I was gonna say, okay, this is gonna be a relaxing time. I'm not gonna watch too many shows, and I watch fucking eight shows. 
yeah. that's where you're wrong. This season, I'm like, you God, freaking damn error. it, why? <laughs> a fatal error of not watching a lot, and suddenly, boom. Although I drops. do think, I do think fall season was a little weak. I don't know. I don't, there are some solid some, ones. On it has there. dark horse energy, real dark horse I mean, energy in that, in that one. Yeah, but I mean, there, there are definitely like. I mean, I don't really count sequels like Demon Slayer and um, Jobless Reincarnation. Right, well, wow, I, wow, wow, wow. You're talking about sequels. Frog. Like, I, I'm talking about like new show kind of thing. And then I agree with you. Okay, yeah. I don't, I don't see too much that I will be interested in. So I feel like this fall season, I'm, I think I'm going to be watching less shows, or at least I hope to. See, yeah, you, I I just, you said this There's, last season. <laughs> I mean, there's three sequels that are like essentially must watch watches for us at least. So a min three for me. Right. Min three. But I'm in the middle of so many shows and I got to finish even the ones from last season I didn't finish. Oh, God. Yeah. Standing on a million lives or whatever. I'm like, that one I'm willing to put to close. bed. <laughs> me need to go back and forth on that one. Um, yeah. But, you know, I should watch season two. Uh, if, if it picks up the way you've talked about it picking up, then. Yeah, maybe I go back in for a million and one lives. Who knows? Just I don't that. know. You'd hate it. Whatever. Okay. Oh it's just God. not even worth the effort. But you know what, y'all? We got homework to do. Thank you so much for coming to class, especially Danny from Anime Summit. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, do you have anything that you would like to plug? Um, Anime uh, Summit podcast. Obviously, go watch Anime Summit. Summit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All the links. You um, said AnimeSummit.net. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we, oh, like if you join our Patreon, I do exclusive group watches with our patrons, and we are currently watching uh, Shaman King on Netflix. Ooh, yeah, which Finished is it. a lot of fun. I need to actually pick that up because I was so stoked, and I got distracted, as as a professor <laughs> do sometimes. Yeah. Um, if if you if you watched like the original one, I did. This one is so much better. Like. So I... much better. I didn't watch like the original one, but I do have someone who is in the group watch who who did watch it, and um, I like to hear like the different variants between the original and this one. I can give you um, that when I do final watching because I religiously watch the old one, the um, yeah. like the four kids dubbed one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Oh, oh, it got it got my my shonen trash brain origin days right at its <laughs> apex of like formation it like it it burned up burned a synapse in me for sure but yeah <laughs> go check out anime summit guys on all the uh, patreon stuff over there if you want to join our patreon patreon.com slash apology one dollar and up gets you into our discord with all the past guests like danny and all the people on anime summit with like they and some and anyone who's been on our show before and all the lovely patreon teaching assistants and up um three dollars and up gets you the syllabus sidebar or the low fives no, no oh no it's the first time i've goofed that early low Our low... high vibes sometimes anime sometimes not sometimes visual <laughs> sometimes on hiatus show where we ref about life and stuff thank you for the assist i appreciate that no problem it's been a, been a couple weeks I'm a little rusty but yeah we have about 30 or so episodes over there <laughs> in various medium formats audio visual and you know i would say sometimes interactive we haven't figured out how to do that technology yet um <laughs> let's put a see. poll up there yeah and all of the links to everywhere you can get your get our show uh visual audio or otherwise are on all of the podcast channels anywhere you get your podcast fix and uh i think that is it thank you danny you just gave me a lot of things i want to go home and get excited to watch now because i forgot about yeah. this dark horse season 
I don't know if Fruit Basket's on that list, but let's uh, <laughs> just say it. I, I hope you enjoyed your well, surprise. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, that was awesome. I'm glad that you're watching it. And if you end up not liking it, don't tell me because I don't <laughs> want you ripping. On, I don't want you ripping on my show. Like, well, there might be an Fruits episode Basket where I just is, shit all over it. Oh, yeah, no. Fruits Basket is definitely one of my favorites, uh, like of all time. Like, I love the manga so much. <laughs> and and to see it re-add like gets gets its time where it gets its full story told like i i can't tell you how many times i cried during season oh, three. oh no ethan you can't do this now you can't say anything <laughs> that but honestly un until we make sure we don't make our podcast friends crumble from the inside out with our hot spicy takes i'm ricky and i'm southern ethan and that has oh been danny God. from anime summit and this has been <laughs> webology deuces, deuces. <laughs> thank you Bye. very much sorry for almost making you crumble you're on the precipice of getting a one bad fruit basket review away from <laughs> <laughs>